0: To the first edition of the Short Haired Dog, a podcast dedicated 100% to Walter Terrier athletics. I'm your co-host, Michael Bennett, alongside Kevin, my brother/slash best friend, KB. How you doing tonight? Doing good, man. I'm. Uh, this has been something in
1: the works for a while. We've been thinking about doing this. Um, the terriers don't get the love that they should around the area. Um, we have a top five ranked team here in the Upstate of South Carolina, and they don't get. They don't get enough credit, so uh we kind of took it into our hands. And uh being lifelong fans like we have been, uh we thought that it was it was time to,
0: you know, get some information out on the Terriers. Yeah, you're right. And you can sit around and complain all day long, but until you actually do something about it, what good is it? That's absolutely right. So that's what we're doing, folks. We're trying to do something about it. We're trying to shed some light here on the Terriers. We know we've got a good uh sports writer, a beat writer in Todd Shaughnessy with the uh, Spartanburg Herald Journal, he does a very good job with those great articles that he writes, but there's nothing really in the world of podcasting at all. Uh, from the audio spectrum, I know Open Mike does some stuff, Walford, with uh, Mark Hauser occasionally, but not a whole lot is out there centered around the Terriers. But folks, Walford fans, whoever might be listening to this, this is going to be all about the Walford Terriers and we are in the heart of football season for the first time
1: is it ever that they've started 6 and 0
0: i think they started 6 and 0 before they were D1 maybe okay. with Sean graves Okay. i think they actually started 8 and 0 that year all right um and eventually went to the uh, division 2 playoffs i think it was so this is the time first in time in history that's right and a lot of that has to do with you know we've had some good seasons before now uh but a lot of times we play an fbs opponent long before the last week of the season like we're going to do with South Carolina this year. But I tell you, I don't think that's going to be a game where South Carolina can just roll their helmets out there and win. That's going to be a a highly contested game, too, I think. One thing I wanted to bring up, we've uh, been Wofford fans for a very long time, as long as I can remember. We've had season tickets, I guess, from birth. Yeah. Uh, I I can probably count the amount of home games I've missed in my life on my hands and feet. Yeah, it's, it hadn't been many. It has not been very many at all. So, Kevin, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit of how we became big-time Walford fans? Well, you know,
1: um, I'm 24 years old, you're 22, and like you said, pretty much our entire life we've been going to Walford games, not just football games, basketball, baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, our life's been dedicated to Walford athletics, um, but you know... Our grandma working at Walford for 35 years, uh, retired from there. Our dad and uncle both graduated from Walford, yeah. uh, so it's in our blood. Um, so growing up, we knew we were going to the Walford games if they played at home on Saturdays. Um, so we've been dedicated. Uh, we've had our seats, especially in Gibbs Stadium. We've had <laughs> our seats up until recently, where we actually we've actually moved uh, <laughs> seats. It was time for a change. We may get into that later on in the in this episode, but. Um, so we've been we've been fully engulfed in Walford Athletics since since we could remember. Um, a lot of fun games we've been to. We've been wet. Uh, I oh know that my gosh. that Furman game. I believe it was what 0-2? was it 0-2? Yeah, I think so. Um, that was terrible. Yeah, that was
0: that was that was a heartbreaker, and it was cold. Very cold. We we've been in some rain monsoons like every time we played Gardner Webb except for this year. Pretty much, it has every poured game. down rain every
1: year against Gardner Webb, whether it be in Spartanburg or in Boiling Springs, North Carolina, it yeah. has been a
0: monsoon. It seems like for the past five years. <laughs> that's true, but at least it was like September. That was in November, right? When we yeah. played Furman we played in Furman. that mess and just totally messed the field up. Um,
1: there's been a lot. There's been a lot of games that's been very very memorable that we've been to. One uh, one of which. Didn't end on the right side for the Terriers, but that was probably the Georgia Southern um, playoff game. That was a good um, one. When they packed out their side, Uh, very loud, very energetic game. That was a lot of fun to be at. Um, We've seen a lot of nail biters, a lot of close games, a lot of goal line stands to clinch (laughs) the game. That's uh, true. By the Terrier defense there at the end of the game. Um, We've seen a lot of good players come through, and uh, we'll get into that later. (laughs) We're going to kind of go through who our favorite players were growing up. We'll try to touch on that later on um in the episode but yeah i mean like you said earlier we've been we've been wanting something to go right for the terriers for a long time and they, they've strung together so many good recruiting classes here recently and i feel like this year's team has some of the most talent that Walford football has ever seen
0: oh i think so too you know you look back even even in the early 2000s back when when Walford had really got established and even after 2003 and in that season Walford had guys that were much smaller and not near as fast as the guys they were going up against. But now you look at Walford's depth chart, you look at the players, you go down the list, and we're talking not only just their starters, but in their two deep. All of a sudden you look around the conference and say, man, we're as big or as fast or faster or bigger than everybody in our conference.
1: And and we've said it
0: many times that
1: there's some guys in the two deep. There's not getting a lot of run. That could be starters on just about any other team. In the Southern Conference, now, yeah, you could say that with, with a lot of confidence. Yeah. Um and one one big thing that I've I've noticed with the Terriers is they've had consistent quarterback play. I know kind of the last I'd say maybe six or seven years injuries have been big. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, before 03, which was Zolman and Trader Rogers, they had Travis Wilson. Yeah. Um. Then they then they you know convert over to Josh Collier. Mm-hmm. Then you get into Bid wind buyer for a year. Then Mitch Allen. Um, and then, you know, some injuries come where you see, you see Michael Weimer, you see Brian Cass, you see some other guys out there, Evan Jacks. Yeah. Um, and then you get into the Brandon Goodsons and Brad Butler's. Um, but this year, you know, Brandon Goodson has stepped up. He's been consistent back there for us. Hasn't lost any ball games for us, which is all you really need, especially running that option offense, you know, take the lane when it's given to you, make the pitch at the right time. And he's done that this season. Yeah. Um, he's not the fastest quarterback that we've had, but you don't need him to be. No. He's one of the most gifted passers, if not the best passer, I believe the Terriers have ever had. And we'll get into last week's game against the Citadel. But uh, 218 yards passing. I know that I haven't seen that in my lifetime, and the reason why I haven't is because it's it never happened. happened in that my is lifetime. exactly right. So uh, very impressive performance. I was very proud of, of Brandon Goodson last week. Um, and I was very proud of the offensive staff, Coach Lang and his staff, for, for taking what the Citadel was giving them. They were – you were at the game. Yeah. Um, so I'll ask you about that in just a second. But from what I could see watching it here, um, it looked like the Citadel had their defense in between the hashes, everyone in the box, and they were they oh, yeah. were committed to take the run away. Yeah. And when Coach Lang figured out that we're not going to be able to run it on these guys because the Citadel has a very good rush defense. They do. And uh, – then we just started picking them apart, passing the ball, and that was exactly. very encouraging to see because that can open up the playbook for so much more later on in the season. Oh, for sure. Because um, we know we can do it now, yeah. And that and that, that proves very beneficial for the, especially the young offensive linemen that's been been thrown into action mm-hmm. this season, as well as Brandon Goodson. And you show and he showed last week what he can do, you know, when he gets the opportunity to air it out. Um, so very impressive performance last week by the Terriers. Mike, you were there at the Citadel. What was the environment like? I know we went to that playoff game in Citadel last week or last season, excuse me, and man, I'm telling you what, that was a that was a lot of fun. The away games are, are a lot of fun
0: supporting the Terriers. That's very true. I mean, this one, it was a little bit different in that Citadel didn't have as near as much going into it as the Walford team did because they already had two losses in the conference. Certainly they wanted to to be geared up to beat Walford, but the fan engagement wasn't near as what it what it was in that playoff game because I don't think they had lost a game other than their, against their FBS opponent uh, last season. So that was a little bit different, but I tell you, the Wofford fans were very into it. Um, I got the chance to actually sit not right beside, but right next to uh, Brian Sanders, former Walford punter, and that was interesting talking to him, just kind of talking about when he played and things like that. But but the fans were good. Uh, I also noticed the players more so than I believe ever. I, I don't remember this, but the the players are so into it. Yeah. I mean, just I mean, going crazy. Uh, Jairo Wilson. I mean, he is just he's the most positive person trying to get the crowd into it. I mean, I love that. No matter what's going on. Tyler Vaughn, big time. I actually saw Miller Mosley and Joe Newman up on the bench with two towels dancing. I love it. And that was great. I mean, that really got me into it. I was pumped when I seen them up there on that. On the that uh, bench, standing on top of it, I was like, "This is this is pretty legit here." Yeah. And I mean, it's just it it's it's so weird to me. It just felt like that whole game, even though that the Citadel had the lead for a lot of the game and Walford struggled offensively, you just kind of felt like they're gonna win this game.
1: I told I told our dad when we were uh, I think we were talking about it maybe Sunday. There was no doubt in my mind that Walford was gonna score. It yeah. was just when were they going to score mm-hmm. with how much time left? That's right. And that, and that's just kind of the way this season has gone. I mean, there's no reason for us to think that they're not going to come back. Just because they're behind going into the fourth quarter doesn't mean anything with this team. Yeah. And kudos to Coach Ayers for, for you know instilling in those guys, don't quit. Um, they know what they have. Coach yeah. Ayers knows the team that he has. And uh, you can tell that they're not freaking out over there at the sideline. If they get behind early, they're like, okay, well, this is – This is not new territory for us. We know what to do. And uh, they went out, and (laughs) I think it may have taken five or six years off of our lives up there in the stands stressing out about it. But those guys are as calm as as they can be on the sideline. And, uh, I mean, just a very impressive performance by the Terriers last week against the Citadel. Um, It got pretty loud when when Stoddard rumbled in there at the end. I I know I was here, and I could hear it over over the ESPN3 broadcast. It was...
0: Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty exciting. And I, but I still say nothing beats the Joe Newman run in the playoffs, oh. where he broke free. Like I I, I cried
1: a little. I Grown think. men leaping in the stands. Yeah, I was I was jumping up and down and in each other's arms. It was a we were high fiving people we didn't know. That was a like I said, that's one of the most fun experiences I've ever had at a football game. Was was last season. And that run Joe Newman broke off and scored there was. Oh, it was awesome. That was that was a play that I'll remember being there in person for a long time. But
0: talk about how satisfying that is. After you give a game away to the Citadel like that, to go down there and beat them was just great. Yeah. And it, it felt as good this year. Yeah. Because even though you beat them in the playoffs, and, of course, we go on to lose to Youngstown State, you still felt like you kind of felt bad for Brandon Goodson. You did, yeah. You know, Goodson did not he, – and he'll be the first to tell you, he made a few mistakes, and colleague Williams, the guy for – Citadel number seven, who was just all over the place Saturday, I might add, made the made the pitch six. You know where right. Brandon goes to pitch it out to the right side, the ball gets tipped up, he runs it back for a touchdown. You wanted Goodson to come out and play very well Saturday, and he did just that. And he did, and, and it was like it was like they were daring him to pass it. Right. You know, it was like almost like they were blitzing nine guys and said, "All right, we're we're going to cover the receiver, single cover, just back them straight back." I mean, the out route was there all day long. They could have run it every play.
1: Yeah,
0: and I just think moving into this week now, I know Sanford's coming off a bye week. So, like Coach Ayers always says, they're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Right. So that's going to be a big time for a very talented Sanford team. The only ten, only team they've lost to is Western Carolina. Who, and we know what they've got. They took us to overtime. Right. So, it's, it's. I'm telling you, this is going to be a tough week. But, well, getting back to that win, just a great win by the. Uh, by by Walford just to just to persevere that wasn't their best game their offense was shut down but I tell you that defense second half was just lights out what a, the kind of tie the
1: Citadel game into into the Sanford game this weekend what better week for the Terriers to come out there and show what they can do passing the ball than when Sanford's awaiting you on a bye week because now they're going to see the rushing attack from the the previous five games and then the passing attack. So yeah. that's kind of that's kind of leaving them like what
0: are they gonna do? Exactly, um,
1: and and now because you
0: can't play the thing about it is you can say well we can just copy Synder's game plan. Well, Synder's game fine. plan obviously wasn't good enough. That's fine. Yeah, we will uh, just it on them too. That, that's the thing about it, and and I think Goodson has so much confidence in himself. You know, a lot of times uh, last year Goodson kind of got forced into into playing with right. injuries and whatnot. And well, I mean, let's just say it. I mean, I'm I'm happy for him that he got that opportunity, but. Injuries kind of forced him into that. Now you're looking back and say, man, that was a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Because he's poised. I mean, like that, that was a free, the the deep pass to Jason Hill for a touchdown that he spun out of the sack. He was dead to rights. Yeah. I've told you the guy's arms were up above his head. He was so after him. He makes a great spin, able to spin out of that and makes a great throw. Goodson is as cool as a cucumber back there. Yeah. And we may get bummed in the stands because he eats it and loses a yard or two. But he has no problem doing that. And, right. I mean, it's hard sometimes, honestly, because you want every play to be positive. But considering what we've seen happen even this year with both, uh, with sometimes the pitches are wild, sometimes the running backs can't handle it. You know, it, sometimes it, you'd rather eat it and lose a yard than lose the possession or right. lose 10. Yeah, And that's something Goodson is good at. Now, like we've said before, getting back to – you know, making the right decisions with the running backs and receivers we have on this team. I think they're the best we've ever had. I agree. So as, as having the number of, them. we've had some star players like Burson and Strickland, but to have RJ Taylor, who is excellent. Right. Along with Jason Hill, along with Chandler Gauger, along with Blake Morgan, who's one of the greatest receivers out of the backfield. I believe I've ever seen. He, he compares to Will Gay to me making those yeah. circus catches. Yeah, they, I mean they call him Big Play Blake, and that's that's a good thing to call him because he's always out there. From Goodson's perspective, why not get them the ball? Facilitate. It's not your game to win, buddy. You've got guys out there who can make them, and that's exactly I think the approach what Brandon's taken this year. Well, and you mentioned last year in that Citadel game in
1: the regular season when he made the pitch, it was an ill advised pitch, and he would admit that to mm-hmm. you. And. And the thing about it is, this year, we haven't seen that out of Brandon Goodson. We haven't. He hasn't done anything to cost the Terriers the ballgame, and that's all that we ask with all the athletes that you have around him. Mm -hmm. unless I mean, we're not saying Brandon Goodson's not a great athlete. He's obviously a good athlete to run that option offense. But like we said, he's done exactly what he's needed to do this season, which is facilitate, not turn the ball over, Mm -hmm. not fumble, not make bad pitches, pitch it when it's there, eat it when it's not. Yeah, and that's basically what he's done this season, and he's been able to throw accurate. He's been yeah. able to put the ball places where only the Terrier receivers can go that's up right. and grab it. And that's all you can ask. All you can ask out of a quarterback. And then on the defensive side of the ball, we've been as stout as we were last year. Mm-hmm. And um, the defense is going to keep us in the ball game. It's uh, it's on the offense to score, to score the points, and uh, you know, sometimes. You know, the defense – and I expect this week, Sanford's going to score some points just because they're a good offense. But the way this team is, the other unit picks up the Mm -hmm. unit on the other side of the ball. So I expect the offense to go out and score some points this week. And then, you know – but I may be completely wrong. The defense may shut down the Sanford offense. You just never know. But I tell you what, let's jump in to the game notes for Sanford. Let's give our preview of the Sanford game. We'll even give a final score prediction – um toward the end so why don't you give into what what get into what Sanford's bringing in to Gibbs Stadium which I do want to add is homecoming on uh Saturday and um expecting a pretty good crowd there Mike um Clemson not playing South Carolina not playing so the Terriers like I said a number five ranked team in the FCS division in Spartanburg South Carolina people need to come out and support the Terriers they don't get the love especially on the airwaves that they should, and uh, you know, it's time for people to come out and recognize what the terriers have going on up in Spartanburg. Um, but what do the what do the Sanford Bulldogs? What kind of what's kind of what do they bring in to Spartanburg on Saturday?
0: Well, they bring in a passing attack that's it's pretty solid. It's probably one of the best in the conference, maybe at the top at this point. Yeah devlin hodges is a guy who's a really good passer very accurate mm-hmm. and he's mobile yeah and that that's to me that's that's even more the key even than it maybe his passing is keeping him contained yeah if he's running around doing what he wants then just flipping the ball out there to people it's gonna be a long day for the terriers but you know they're big up front uh coach Ayers has mentioned that before they're they're a pretty big front here let's see uh 6'4", 295, 6'3", 305, 6'5", 325 at center. Their center is 6'5", 325. That's a big boy. That is huge. Uh, Let's see, 6'7", 300, 6'6", 300. So, a big offensive line there for Sanford. So, the, the defensive line is going to have their work cut out for them. But I tell you, I've been impressed with those guys. I mean, they, I, they, I think they were the guys who everybody sort of saw as the strength of the team coming back. I think they might have exceeded expectations, even more so, just by the amount of snaps they're playing. I mean, meaningful snaps. that They rush and rush and rush no matter what. Right. I mean, no matter what's happening, they continue to bring the wood. Tyler Vaughn has just a motor, like, unlike anybody. Uh, Miles Brown is so strong. Miles Brown is just excellent. I mean, he could play anywhere. Yeah. And then Horton, who just blows everything up. And then you got guys like Thad Mangum coming in.
1: Oh my gosh! Uh, I mean, you just roll in fresh Brandon guys. Curtis. Brandon Curtis. I mean, Curtis.
0: the list literally goes. Yeah. I think Brandon Zemery played some this past week, and he looked good. Yeah. I mean, the list literally goes on and on of guys who can who can plug in and play. But like I said, they're going to have their their work cut out for them. A really good receiving core. Uh, some running backs also to mention. Let's see here. I'm trying to see if I can see him here on the depth chart. I'm not seeing him anywhere. But he's also pretty good as well. He can also catch it out of the backfield, and that's it's hard to stop.
1: Well, see, that's where that's where the linebackers need to step up. Um, and, and we know that we have good linebackers out there. Um, you know, kind of been a, a rotation of, of five that's been in and out of the starting lineup this season. Um, you know, with Daryl Vining and Jira Wilson out there on one side, then you have Terrence Marsh on the other. On the inside, D'Otavious Wilson and Colton Clemens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then coming in, you know, to relieve them some Billy Hinton and Weston Roundtree. So you know that's a pretty good rotation of backers out there. Yeah, I, w- I would argue one of the one of the best units the Terriers have ever had uh, in the linebacking core. Yeah. Um, and, and and the thing about it is, from the defensive secondary, it's just as strong. Right. But what i w- getting back to linebackers real quickly before you get into the secondary. I mean, you have to you have to watch that, especially with with Hodges being a mobile quarterback. The linebackers. Have to spy him some, and you also have to keep an eye, like you said, on that on that running back uh, who can catch the ball out of the backfield. So I think the linebackers are going to have to really step their game up uh, Saturday to uh, you know to contain contain Hodges as well as contain those running backs out of the backfield on the wheel routes or the out routes or whatever the Bulldogs throw at us out there. So I expect them I expect them to be ready uh, in the linebacking court, and and that's, that's going to be very important to to stop in a pretty potent Bulldog offense. But Mike, you you mentioned. The secondary, they're kind of, especially on the on the cornerback position, they can roll in three and four guys as well. That's
0: true, and they're going to need them. Uh, Kelvin McKnight is their leading receiver. Through six games, he's got 51 receptions for 661 yards and nine touchdowns. So he's a real deal. I mean, that's solid considering yeah. who they've went against, which no babies, let me tell you, they've played some very good opponents, including an FBS team. Who was the FBS team they played? I can't remember. I think it was an SEC school. may have been. Maybe I'm wrong. Was it Auburn? No, Mercer played Auburn. I hmm. can't
1: remember who it was. Georgia? We'll look it up. It may have been.
0: I'm not sure. But anyway, that that's that's strong. <laughs> 51 catches for 661 yards is, is about as good as it gets for nine scores. But, yeah, like you said, got some depth. You know, you got B.C., who is not the biggest guy, but I tell you, probably has the biggest heart of anybody in that secondary. He just will not stop. You look at – you look – I like – everyone wants to mention the Western Carolina game where he gets the pick there at the end. He, I think he actually had two picks in that game. But you look back, look at the Mercer game. The Mercer game was a game, honestly, that the Terriers probably shouldn't have won. And BC makes the play of the game that went unnoticed where the tight – they were throwing it to the tight end towards – I mean, or, or maybe it was a, just a big receiver. But it was a, it was a busted play – Quarterback scrambling for the ball. He just throws it up to the end zone, and B.C. comes out of nowhere and knocks it down. Right. Holds him to a field goal. Then, when they get the ball back, they throw it over there to the side. B.C. just said, rips it out of his arms and gets the ball. Yeah. And yeah. that's that's something like that kind of gets forgotten about because Devin Watson had two picks and played a great game as well. I think he actually got Defensive Player of the Week. But B.C. really had a big, huge hand in winning that game. So... You got BC, you got Devin Watson, Dominic Lemon, who's no bum either. Just let me tell you. He, he can play as well. Uh, who's the other? There's another corner, right? Redwood. Yeah, Redwood. Dimitri Redwood is another guy who can get out there and play as well. And then you got our safeties. Malik Rivera, just a run stopper, just a dog out there. Yeah. Mason Allstadt, who was all over the place against the Citadel. And yes, seems he to always be out there in the middle hitting people. I mean, he yeah. lays some licks out there. And then you got a guy in JoJo Tillery. We talk about guys that could play anywhere else. JoJo Tillery would start on any other team, I'm pretty confident. Yeah. It's just – and next year, I guess, he'll – if he's – he's a junior, correct? Uh, I believe so. I think he is, and Malik is a senior, Malik Rivera. So, he'll probably step into that spot next year. I think he's more of the cover guy. You'll probably see more of him this week against this passing attack uh, than we've seen against – Citadel because yeah. Malik Rivera is so good against the run. He is an outstanding run defense I, safety. I've even been lobbying for him to maybe be
1: brought down into the box. I thought I thought that as well. I mean,
0: like as a nickel package, because you know he can cover being a safety, but he's such a good run stopper. Just to sort of have as a spy on the quarterback, I think that'd be great to use him that way. I know uh, Coach Wood and his staff will have him, have him ready to play, but that's yeah. just something I've thought about, just being the armchair coach, you know, sitting over to the side. So.
1: Um, let's get over to the offensive side of the ball, Mike. And for the Terriers, um, I was, I was thinking about this earlier, you know, the really good Wofford teams in the past has went very far in the playoffs. They've had one feature back, you know, they've had one guy that's really been the workhorse, uh, be it Brightenstein, uh, really Dane Romero that one season, um, Lorenzo Long the past couple of years, but this year you can't get more, you really can't get more, Balanced than what the Terriers have right now. Three guys over 360 yards um, mm. rushing. Well, that's, that's gained. If we're going net, we have three guys over 350. Uh, Lennox McAfee leads the Terriers in rushing with 404 yards at 7.9 yards a pop. Whew. Andre Stoddard 392 yards on 5.6 yards a carry, also eight touchdowns. Blake Morgan with 352 touch, uh excuse me, 352 yards and four touchdowns, and that includes a 94-yard touchdown run um, at Ch- Presbyterian. Yes, on the first play from scrimmage for the Terriers. Uh, Chase Nelson has added 223, and then Brandon Goodson with 109. So the Terriers there with five guys over 100 yards rushing on the season, and then four over 220. So that's pretty impressive from the Terriers. Um, But just think about it right here. It's got it broken down. McAfee averages 67 a game. Stoddard 65. Blake Morgan 58. Chase Nelson 44. So, I mean, that's just gashing defenses. And then you see how Coach Lang and the offensive staff adapt last week. When they take that away, we can beat them passing the ball as well. And passing on the season, you know, Brandon Goodson 39 for 69 – for 658 yards and two touchdowns and more importantly no interceptions Mm -hmm. so he's not turning the ball over he's doing what he's needing to do he's finding the receivers Uh, receiving wise the terriers are led by rj taylor with 13 receptions for 202 yards jason hill with 12 catches for 218 yards and blake morgan 12 catches for 267 yards uh, Blake Morgan averaging 22.25 yards of reception. Jason Hill, 18, and R.J. Taylor, 15. Um, last week, Garrison Moore got his first reception as a Wofford Terrier. That went for 48 yards. Dorian Lindsay has one catch for 17. Cole Clary, one for nine. Bryce Motes, one for six. And Ellis Pace, one for three. So the Terriers with 42 receptions on the season. Like I said, 13 from R.J. Taylor, 12 from Jason Hill, and 12 from Blake Morgan. Yeah. Um, very Oops. balanced. Just a very balanced offense. Mm-hmm. And we're not used to seeing that. And, the, and getting to what we said, you know, the Breitenstein, Lorenzo Long, Dane Romero, Michael Hobbs, those guys were the workhorses yeah. those seasons. But this year, a balanced rushing attack. And then you think about the receivers, there's been one guy that's been the guy, whether it be Andy Strickland, whether mm-hmm. it be Brenton Burson. Those guys have been the guy. This year, There's been there's three guys. Yeah. Uh, right over 12 catches. You don't see that in Wofford offenses. You don't. So they're this is a different Wofford team. In a lot of ways, they're the same, but yeah. in a lot of ways, they're different as well. And uh, it, this isn't your parents' Wofford. It is not. Not your parents', your
0: parents terriers. No. I'm just I'm just gonna go ahead and say that. There's it, that is not how this team's built. But I tell you, they are built in a way that they just won't quit. Yeah. And that, that all goes back to Coach Ayers. I, I'm telling you, a lot of people. I, I've had people comment guests that come to the game with us comment that says Mike Ayers does nothing. You know, you think as a legendary coach, you think Ayers would be down there drawing stuff up in the dirt. But what people fail to realize is these are guys he has taught. Yeah. All these guys coaching are Walford guys. They know what it takes. And all he has to do is look at them and they expect it. And there's nobody, we, we played it in our intro, there's nobody that gets the team more pumped up than Mike Ayers. Yeah. I don't know how old Coach Ayers is, what, late 60s maybe? And he's able to get those guys, you know, 19 through 22-year-olds pumped up no matter what every single game. Right. So that tells you – I mean, they'd run through a wall for him. Yeah. And that, and the, we laugh about it getting emotional. But it's because he gets, it comes from the heart, man. Yeah. That man cares about those oh, kids. Oh, he does. Yeah. He does. And they, they can tell that. You know, people can tell when you're genuine. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing with the Coach Ayers. They know, like, hey, this dude cares about us. Right. Now, have I always agreed with everything – Coach Ayers or Coach Lane has ever called no, no. And, and I'm not, and I'm, I don't care who you look at. You can look at Bill Belichick. You're going to disagree with decisions that they make. Yeah, but that doesn't go back to the fact that they're a he's a great coach, and a great person.
1: But and here's the thing: it would be different if we didn't agree with the play calls and they were getting beat.
0: Yeah, they've been winning. But ball they've been games. winning. That's right. Yeah. And you and you look back, especially with an option team. Have you had the chance to watch any option teams this year? Like for instance, I watched one game. It was Air Force and Michigan. Okay. Air Force should have beat them. Yeah. And it just goes back. What kind of play calling is that? But I think we were so such fanatics about it. Unless we score every play, we're just so hard on them right. in our minds. Like not to say we're bad mouthing them in front of everyone. I mean, we're not. No, we're not doing that. But it's just sort of like we're such fanatics. We're spoiled rotten. Yeah. You know, but we want them to be just world beaters when we need to be thankful that, hey, we're, we're living in the glory days of Walford football. We are. You know, like we're Washington Redskins fans. They were good in the 80s before either of us were born.
1: Yep.
0: From 2003 until now is the glory days of Walford football, period. The yep. 2000s until now. Mm-hmm. And we are living it. Yep. And we, I mean, we have a lot to be thankful and the future, for. And, and the future is still bright. That's what I'm saying. Like, we're, we're recruiting better now than we ever have. Yeah. You know, and that's just we're just blessed. And it, I still I've said for years, Walford is the best kept secret as far as football is concerned anywhere around this area. Yeah. I mean, you let any other team be as successful as Walford has over the last fifteen years or so, they'd be blowing up in any other area. But right. for some reason here with it's and we live in a small state and got two major universities in it yep. that people are crazy about. So it, we've got a lot of competition. But like we've like we said, as we're starting to talk about Walford, we nobody talks about them yeah. until it's like December and we're in the playoffs and everybody the else only is team
1: still playing. Yeah, and, the, and Carolina and, and, Clemson's waiting to play in their bowl. Right, games.
0: everybody's doing yeah. bowl prep, you yeah. know. And then they'll start talking about Walford. I'm like a little late, don't you think, guys? I mean, yeah. this right here ranked in the top twenty all season. Yeah, and if there's any people that's listening to this right now and you've maybe never been to a Walford game, maybe don't know anything about them. You don't have to worry about going to see Clemson or South Carolina play Saturday. Come to Gibbs Stadium in Spartanburg and support the Terriers. And, Mike, before we
1: forget, let's give our prediction for the Sanford game. Um, What do you think the final score is going to be? You want me to go first? Yeah. I think, man, you know, I think it's going to continue. I think it's going to be another close game. (laughs) But, you know, I'm, I'm to the point now where I'm prepared. Yeah. Like, the Citadel game, I wasn't even all that worked up. Because, like I said, I expected the Terriers to win that game. I expect them to win this one Saturday. I think it's going to be hard fought. I think it's going to be maybe a high-scoring game. Um, wow. I wouldn't say very high-scoring, but, you know, compared to what we've seen some this season, <laughs> I would I would say that it's high-scoring. I'm going to go Walford 31, Sanford 27. Hmm. And I think there's going to be a good crowd for the Terriers there. Homecoming, of course, like I said. Carolina and Clemson not playing. Come out and support the Terriers. It's going to be be a lot of fun, and uh, tell you what at the end of the podcast, we'll tell, tell people where we're sitting if they want to come up and uh, yeah you know get rowdy with us.
0: Yeah, I, I would be totally down for that and just kind of come up and talk to Walford Ball with us. I mean, think about it is if you're a diehard Walford fan, you're not going to find any be- better people to talk to than this. right We could literally quiz each other all day long on Walford stuff, and we would we'd never run out of stuff to talk about because we've literally went to every game. Yeah. You know, when, you, when you've when you done that, I mean, it's like second nature. People's like, how do you know who made the tackle? I can tell you by what kind of socks they got on who made the tackle. Yeah. I can. I can say, oh, that was JoJo Tillery. I'm like, Why? How'd you know that? Well, most of the time he wears a gold sleeve on his left arm. and Nobody else wears that. And they're like, boy, you know what you're talking about. I'm like, I've watched him enough to know. You're a fanatic. I am. Yeah. I, I can't stand it. What's your score for the Sanford-Walford game? Let's see. Uh... I think it's going to be thirty-five to twenty-four. Walford, Walford. So a pretty decisive win there, huh? I think so. I think it's time for Walford to play a complete game. I mean, I know they're six and zero, and they've had a really good season, but they've not played their best game yet. Yeah. I think they've left a lot of points on the field, and I think this week you see the offense come around, and I'm calling for it right now. We talked about being balanced on offense as far as getting it to all the different running backs. I'm calling for it this week, Andre Stoddard. Takes over. I love it. He, as the workhorse. He runs it all over him. I think. He was such a stud in that Western Carolina Man, game. I, I know. And, and he had the fumble there against Citadel, and, and it was sort of hard. Anyway, I don't care who was running it. If they're bringing 10 guys blitzing in there, it's going to be hard for yeah. I mean, Walter Payton to get any yardage. But I, I think you're going to see Andre really have a big-time game. I'll tell
1: you what, Mike. I love – the package where they have Chase Nelson and Stoddard in the backfield, oh, and that was the, the play that they scored on there to win that Citadel game. Nelson was kind of the lead blocker, made a great block in the hole to spring Stoddard to get in there. I love that package to have both of the big bruising backs back there in the backfield. Yeah. Um, I think we may see a little bit more of that. Yeah, but, um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see. I'm really very excited to see how how last week is going to have an effect on the offense. I, I
0: think it's going to just because. I think Sanford's going to have to go to their go back to their game plan and say, "Hey, we're going to have to prepare for some passing here. Yep. And this isn't going to be where they run it every single play. If we if we're lollygagging out there, they can rip us passing it." Yeah. I think you're going to see a big time difference there. I I, I don't know, maybe I'm maybe I'm thinking, you know, Walford, there's no way they could lose with the way they play, but I tell you, it's just getting to that point where you're just like no matter what happens, it, they could not gain a yard and they feel like rushing And it feels like they can still win the game. They're just that kind – they're just a resilient bunch. And I just – like like I said, I think they put it together. I think Andre Stoddard has a big game. If they'll give him the ball, I don't know how they're going to do the fullback rotation with he and Chase Nelson, which Chase times last week. He got him down the field there at the end. So, I think you're going to see one of those guys. I won't go ahead and just shout out Andre. But one of those guys is going to take the lead. It's going to be big time Saturday.
1: All right, Mike. We – we teased them earlier in the show. We said we would, you know, we said that we grew up Walford fans. We've seen a lot of good Walford football players in person. Um, so I'll tell you what we'll do. We're going to pick five players that were our favorites growing up. Mm-hmm. Then we'll kind of go through some honorable mentions. Okay. So uh, I'll tell you what, we'll go back and forth, kind of like, a, let's just say, a, a favorite player draft. So we'll go back and forth, pick five favorites, and, uh, you know, we'll go from there. But i tell you what, everybody's going to have some of these guys. Mm-hmm. So let's just make an untouchable list. Let's just go ahead okay. and uh, let's establish it. They're everyone's favorite. <laughs> okay. All right. right. Breitenstein, of course. Gary Breitenstein. Brenton Burson. Okay. Kevius Johnson. It's uh, kind of throwing it back a little old school. But
0: Kevius was everyone's
1: favorite. He was. Um, Lorenzo Long, of course. Mm. And Mitch Allen, who was yeah. a, a very smooth quarterback, and really knew how to run that offense.
0: Um and, and for our older listeners, Sean Graves would certainly be on that list. Absolutely. But Sean's not on our list because we didn't see Sean Graves play us now. No. Frankly, because neither of us were alive. And I would have loved to.
1: Oh, I would have our Hearing
0: our family talk about how
1: great he was. I would have loved to see him in person.
0: I've seen some video of him. It was incredible. Yeah. So I mean, just imagine being able to live that. But anyway, that's our list of untouchables. Right? Yeah, that's our list. So E B, Burson, Kiwius.
1: Lorenzo Long and Mitch Allen. Hmm. So I'll go first with my first favorite player. And this guy was my favorite, you know, growing up. He was my favorite. And that's Jesse McCoy. Mm. He was uh, number 29 running back for the Terriers. He's third in Wofford history in all purpose yards. Wow. Um, He was my favorite growing up. And we were talking about it the other day. It would have been great to have him on that 03 team just for him because he was, he kind of helped them. Get, get up, to that point. Get, yeah. yeah, get to that level. They were kind of snubbed out of the playoffs year in 2 which we won't get into. That was, uh, I remember my dad being very upset about well, that. Well, it's just
0: that you beat two teams that got in. Yeah. Not only got in, they were, like, seeded. Yeah. And, and Watford, we didn't even make it. Like, it. that it just was just it. That was That was rigged. Everyone was just ticked. So, the next year they just said, well, we just can't lose a game. We're just going to beat <laughs> we we'll lose to
1: Air Force and then, and then beat, <laughs> beat everyone the else. Beat the crap out
0: everybody else. Yep. But Jesse
1: McCoy is mine, and that's throwing it old school. And we got some old school players on yeah. there, so that can, uh, you know, that can solidify our fandom. People knows that we've we've grown up loving the Terriers. So, <laughs> who's your
0: first guy, Mike? Mine is actually a coach on the Walford staff. We talked about having Walford guys. Dane Romero. I, love I really it. love Dane Romero. It, one thing for me, was like, he he had those years where he played halfback. And had the halfback pass and all that stuff. And that, I think it was against uh, Appalachian State. He had a yeah. halfback pass that went deep. And I think he actually came to, to Wofford as a quarterback. He did. He played a little bit of quarterback and, early on. And so, and then that year he was the fullback. 2008 was just a great year. Just yeah. a great year. And Romero was the was the fullback. He then. was, yeah. Along with Ben Widmar, I really loved him. I loved Romero the halfback, but I loved Romero the fullback. I yeah. mean, he was not the biggest, but dang, he was tough. Yeah. And he just had he just had a swagger about him. He was like, "Y'all ain't taking me down. Think, you try again." Yeah, my next
1: guy, Mike. You just mentioned him, Ben Widmire. Um, mm. You know, by no means am I saying Josh Collier was a bad quarterback. He was a very good quarterback. Knew how to run that offense. I compare him a lot to Brandon Goodson. Yeah, um, I
0: think he's a little bit bigger. I would say maybe a
1: more powerful, a little more powerful. Goodson's by far the better passer. Yeah, um, but, but similar know, in there in the way that they manage the game, right? Um, but Ben Widmar, when he got that chance, we knew it's on, and uh, he showed he kind of played he kind of played the role that Mitch Allen played when when Widmar was was the quarterback. Mm-hmm. He came in as a chase, change of pace guy, brought something new, yeah, and he was very successful. When Widmar got his shot in 08,
0: what a fun year that was! Uh, you know, I still think Romero got that first down up there at James Madison. I agree. I'm still mad about that. I, I mean, I know James what Madison a, terrible is a great spot. team, but I tell you, that was a bad spot. I I think we got shipped out of that because we was gonna win that game. Oh yeah. And that just
1: we were um, going to the pay dirt. I promise yeah, you. Yeah,
0: that was heart wrenching. Yeah, but let's not talk about that anymore.
1: Ben Widmeyer, I would argue one of the best, if not the best, quarterback the Terriers have man, ever had.
0: That one season, well, actually, that's even the season before in 07, he played a lot. Yes, he did. Uh, he had a really good. I know he didn't have a lot of starts, but man, in those starts, he was. He was, he was excellent. awesome. He was excellent. Mike, your next guy.
1: I think we're moving over to the defensive <sighs> we, side of the we ball. We are.
0: A guy that I just, I, I loved the whole career. I think he started all four years. I know over. he
1: started three of them. I four.
0: know he started three at least. But an all SOCON player all three of those years. And that's Alvin Ciano. Yeah. Alvin Ciano was awesome. Had great hands. He was fast. You can see pictures. If you look up Alvin Ciano right now, there'll be guys trying to block him. It'll show him shedding, his, shedding the offensive lineman's hands fast. Nasty. He could cover a little bit. I just loved Alvin Sieno. He was clutch. And we had a great defensive line at that point, too. Yeah. And he just opened it up even more. So, my guy, number two on my list, is Alvin Sieno. These aren't really in a particular order, though. No, we're just kind of going back and, and forth. But, yeah. I mean, Alvin Sieno, dang, dude. He my, was a
1: beast. My third player is Andy Strickland. We We mentioned him yeah. earlier. Um, and he he probably could have been he, in the untouchable. He's on the verge list. of
0: the untouchable. Yeah,
1: he was one of those. He's gonna. He'll always be in the minds of Terrier fans. A uh, lot of a lot of yards on those end rounds. Oh yeah. Uh, but he was also a great possession receiver when we did throw the ball with Collier, uh, whoever it may be. Um, but what a
0: great athlete Andy Strickland was. I think all these guys that we've mentioned so far have something in common. They all did well against South Carolina. They did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you remember that, you remember the year. I think actually. Uh, was it was it Romero and Romero was the was fullback Romero, and Widmar was, was, was the quarterback yep,
1: and, and Strickland. the
0: Strickland was at receiver. They had yep. a great game. All of them played very well. At that South was Carolina. the Chris Smiley gamecock and CNO. Yeah, they, uh, Connor Shaw was running for his life in that game. I mean CNO. They couldn't even touch him, much less block him. Yeah.
1: That game you're talking about was the was the next. That was, that was 2012. Yeah. Smelly was that but, first one, but yeah in 20 in 2012, CNO was. I can't recall who exactly that left tackle was, but he it was, was getting, Corey Robinson. He was getting he was getting whipped, toasted over yeah. there, son. Yeah, he was on skates the whole game. <laughs> uh, so Andy Strickland's my third. Who's your third, Mike?
0: Mine is I'm going to the offensive line. You know I'm a the big, big I'm a big lineman guy. Mine is Pat Illig. Mm. Pat Illick was a big offensive guard and he would just knock your head off. Had great feet. I mean he was a huge guy. I think he was like 325", or something like that. He was he was three hundred pounds and at least six seven. Yeah. And was a trem- had great feet, could pull around. That's when we went we, we actually started more gun at that time. But he was so good at everything that he did, just, just super on that inside. I mean, he opened the dive up from all different types of angles, whether he pulled, whether they ran behind him, whatever. He was a dang good offensive lineman. To me, it's hard to not put him at the top his best ever. Another one I'd have to say is Nate Page, who yeah. didn't get a lot of accolades because he wasn't near as big as Pat Illig. But, but Pat Illig was a – he was a monster. Yeah, he, he really was. was. All right, Mike.
1: I'm kicking it old school again. and uh, I'm going to go to the all-time leader in tackles for the Terriers, and that is safety Matt Nelson. <laughs> um, I remember in 03, he was an absolute stud. and uh, A lot of fun to watch him play out there. Um, we've had some good safeties in the past. He, Dan Tavani, some other guys yeah. back there. That's Tavani really. was a good one. They've been some great. They've been some great um, defensive backs there. James Otto, who actually moved to linebacker. Hey. Um, he was a good safety. He was. Um, they've had some back there. It's mm-hmm. Been a lot of fun. And I was. I've been watching a lot of old Terrier. Uh, you know, inside Walford football on YouTube and whatnot. And uh, you see guys, you're like, man, I forgot all about him. He was awesome. Yeah. Um, and that's a lot. That's always as fun to do. But Matt Nelson, arguably the best. I would say maybe the best defensive player the Terriers, yeah. terriers have had. Yeah. And just he was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah.
0: And I remember he was such a ball hawk. He was. It was like no was matter everywhere. what happened, he was going to get – like if somebody fumbled, Matt Nelson was going to come from 30 yards back and then come back and pick it up. I mean, he was just awesome. Yeah. And I, to me, he, he the way he's – that guy now for us may be Devin Watson. Yeah. And he's just always around the ball, sort of like – and B.C.'s up there too. But, yeah. like you said, just a great lineage of Walford safeties. And I think Nelson is is one of the most underrated Walford players of all time. I mean, he is way up there on my – he's an All-American.
1: He was, yeah. I mean, that's, um, that's big time. Now, Mike, your fourth pick, also a defensive player, and this guy had a really good – he had one breakout season and he was very consistent in his other three. started as a true freshman or got playing time as a true freshman. I know he was in the two deep as a true freshman. Um, I met Paul.
0: Dude, I met Paul was awesome. He actually got into the Hall of Fame this year. Yeah. That, that made me so happy. You know, that junior year was his big breakout year. The reason his senior year wasn't because there's three guys trying to block him every play. Yeah. I mean, I met Paul – a great run stopper, of course, a great pass rusher, just all around. And and we forget about the other guys on that line, uh, Alex Goldtree, Eric Eberhardt.
1: Yeah, those guys, and those guys were, came in in the athlete. same
0: class. Yeah. played
1: as freshmen all the way until seniors. Yeah,
0: it, very similar to how our guys are right now. Yeah, with with Miles Brown and Tyler Vaughn and Mikael Horton. I know yeah. that. Uh, Horton's a year behind or a couple years behind yeah right? and, and Bones the oldest right. and so but still being They've, able to play together that long it's is, the camaraderie on the defense yeah. line. they know where each other's going to
1: be exactly. they know the
0: lanes they're going to take yeah um, and just be dominant out there that's right. how those that, Walford has had a long run of good defensive linemen yeah I mean we had Terek Odom, Odom EJ yeah. Speller yeah. who got injured man he would have had a great heck of a year his senior year but he got hurt against Clemson but like I said just Walford guys I mean we're hitting all the big-time positions here where you can pretty much bank on it. Unless they're a true freshman, Walford's going to have some studs in these positions. And, Mike, there was one position that we
1: hadn't hit yet, so I'll do it. Okay. My fifth? David Marvin. David Marvin, wow. I feel like... Fresh off the dome, huh? Fresh off the Last dome. Last year. Man, he was booming them kicks. <laughs> and they were good from 70. I mean, oh, dude, my man was killing them. And a yeah. lot of fun to watch. You knew we got it inside the 30, put three up on the board, buddy. Give three to the Terriers because Marvin was going – he was going to knock it in. And uh, very impressive. I know he decided to go to Georgia. Yeah. Uh, sure wouldn't. And let me say this. Luke Carter's doing a great job this season. Oh, he I'm is. I'm not saying by any means. He's that, missed once. Yeah. I think all he's here. also won SoCon uh, Special Teams Player of the Week twice already. <laughs> and I think Marvin won it three times. And he
0: kicked for th- four for, years. Yeah, yeah. So, but
1: David Marvin um, – like I say, I wish he could have came back. I don't. Yeah. Want to, I'm not saying Luke Carter's done a bad job. No, he's done he has, a fantastic yeah. job. But you
0: just like Marvin.
1: Yeah, I mean that's okay. Yeah, and a great kicker. And uh, so I you wish know. we still had both of them. Me too. And Brian Sanders
0: because he's such a nice guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have the pleasure of meeting him, but I, I'll take I'm you telling word you, for you it. You you would enjoy talking to him. Um, so you know, going to the special teams there, I'll take I'll take David Marvin as my fifth and final favorite player. Mike, we've mentioned him quite a bit here in this episode. Your fifth and final favorite player.
0: Mine is Josh Collier. Yeah. Josh Collier. He. Good manager. Oh, man. Just super. And would run over you. Yeah. I, that's the part to me that, that differs from Goodson. Yeah. He would run over people. And I don't think Goodson's that type of guy. I think he may be a little faster as far as like breakaway speed. But they're very similar and kind of, kind of take their time, let the block set up. But I tell you. Josh Carr would lower the boom on you. Yes, and he I, would. I, there was no running him.
1: around him; he would run over you. Yeah,
0: I, yeah. I really liked him, and uh, that's kind of to me. That's some of the, my best memories. Right around that year, oh three, I was still little. You, you were a, you were a lot older. In 03, I was ten. Yeah, I was eight. <laughs> yeah. So you have your memories sort of what what you really remember and sticks out into your mind. Like I remember oh three pretty well.
1: Yeah, me too. But,
0: but after that, like. 08 09 was when I really knew exactly what was going on on stuff. Yeah. you know, and you learn the game as you learn football. You learn more of dang, this guy's good, and you learn more underrated guys. And to me, Collier was a very underrated guy. Well, Mike,
1: here's what we'll do: we mentioned that we would have some honorable mentions. I'll just say them real quick. Okay, and give a shout out to these guys and. Look, we love Wofford football. We're, we're just saying we could these go guys. On, we could go on all night. We could go on all night <laughs> talking about our favorite players and guys that stuck out to us. Um, and I guarantee you, though, if, if people want to just mention names to us, we'll be like, yep, that he very yep, well could have been, been on the list. He could have been on the list. But these guys, uh, Mike Rucker. A running back, very good kick returner as well. He was super. Um, Michael Hobbs, we mentioned him. <laughs> um, he was kind of the, he was kind of the workhorse that one season. Yeah, he was uh, a big dude. I remember him getting injured there. I can't remember what year it was uh, when he was the main guy, and uh, that was very unfortunate for him. But that one good season for Michael Hobbs, and uh, he had a what a 99 yard touchdown run. Yeah, um, which is still a Wofford record. Um, Seth Goldwire on the defensive side of the ball, mm-hmm. a linebacker. He was he see he was one of those that seemed like he was always making the play. I always yeah. it's like you always heard Bill Drake saying, "Number forty three, Seth Goldwire on the tackle." Because he did. Um, and then we also mentioned Will Gay. He was kind of a kind of a guy that, comparing to a guy on this on this year's team, Blake Morgan. He mm-hmm. was a receiver out of the backfield. He could run in between the tackles as well. Very good at getting the pitch on the option. And, Michael, your guy was Evan Jackson. We didn't see a mm-hmm. lot of Evan Jackson. Um, injuries, other other circumstances
0: where we didn't see didn't see Jacks. But uh, he was one of your favorites. One yet. of my favorites, yeah. yeah. We weren't really going for the best ever. But I think Jackson was just one of those guys that you look Very back at and you say, man, why? how did that not work out? He just, to me, he just didn't get enough snaps. Yeah. Uh, didn't get enough opportunities. And that last year, that was going to be his year. Yep. Last year was supposed to be Evan Jackson's year. And, uh. Preseason tough. injury. That, tough. that was tough. That was yeah. that was like a dark day in my life. And really, <laughs> I'm like you're laughing, but seriously, that was awful. And uh, mm, just tough. I can't talk about it.
1: Mm. You get that worked up. We huh? just got to
0: move on. but I just can't. Jeez. It's sad, man. I'm soft. <laughs> I, I
1: I got a soft spot for Walford, man. You are I really soft. Do. We take it personal. Oh, like I got. There's been some times. There's been some times when uh, they've lost, especially some close games, some meaningful games, like the Youngstown State game last week. It was our last season. I just went tough. outside and walked around. I left my phone in the house. I just went outside and took a little walk.
0: North Dakota State in 2012 yeah, was tough. Just had to clear my head. It was, uh, it was tough. The Georgia but, Southern ones ooh, are always tough. That is. They're, they were harder than than most, just because Georgia Southern is absolute worst. I hate them. God,
1: me too. I hate Georgia Southern. bunch of inbred well, rednecks. You know,
0: well, you know that all that trash talking they used to do these poor FCS teams. Now it's coming back to bite them FBS. Yeah. So they're getting their butts shellacked.
1: Couldn't happen to a I better. I wish bunch. they would
0: play us non-conference.
1: Could not happen to a better bunch. Really? Yeah, me too. I wish they would because I think we'd bust them. Bring them back. Let's <laughs> do it. Hey, I'm I would be so in for that. Oh, dude, so in. Yeah. Um, but Mike, I thought about this to kind of give people our fandom. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly the year. We traveled to Montana. It's like 07, 7 Yep. Six degrees. Six degrees. It was very very <laughs> yeah. cold. Um, that was before the days of ESPN three, the game was not televised <laughs> before, before the yeah. tune
0: in radio app
1: <laughs> before yeah, So it was back, I guess it was, I guess it was back when it was ESPN upstate or no ESPN Spartanburg. It was ESPN yeah. Spartanburg. Of course, Mark Hauser, Tom Henson was on the call. Me, you. Our grandpa and dad drove up to the Ingalls parking lot on 176, headed from Union to Spartanburg, and (laughs) sat in the parking lot and listened to the entire Walford game.
0: Yeah, went in Um, during halftime and got popcorn and stuff. We did,
1: we did, and came back out and listened to a very, a very, man, that was a nail-biting win, (laughs) but a win nonetheless. So you can't say we're not dedicated. (laughs) It was a very cold day as well in Spartanburg, and we sat in the car, in the Eagles parking lot and listen to that entire playoff game between the Terriers and Montana. All right,
0: you, you, will, I got one for you that's gonna make you laugh. All right, all right. Got pulled up some stats. It's twenty three twenty two was the final. Yeah. Okay. And they missed
1: a kick there at the end and we all lost yeah. our mind a in the A kicker who line.
0: ended up being a very good kicker. Uh, let me. Let You're me, gonna say this name, Dan right? Carpenter. Yeah, Dan Carpenter. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Dolphins so, kicker. So anyway, we had Patrick Mukin was our kicker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Collier was four for seven, fifty-three yards, a touchdown, and two picks. Ooh! And I remember those two picks were at terrible times. Yeah, they were awful. But we found a way to get a win, and that just shows you. I mean, this to, to us, this is as big as South Carolina or Clemson. Yeah. I mean this this was like last year when. Walford made it to play Youngstown. That was like then making it to the college football playoff for us. Right. Really. And, and that's how much we care about it. As a matter of fact, if they ever make it to Frisco and they play in the national championship, I don't care. If I got to sell my soul to the devil, I'm going to go.
1: We're going. It's yeah. going to happen, man. I, I just can't. I've,
0: I've rode with them this long. It's just got to happen for
1: me. I mean. Well, Mike, to finish things out, I do want to say, um, I hope this is the first of many episodes um, if you're listening now, we would really appreciate it if uh, you could share our page yes. on Twitter. You know, give us a shout out, like it, um, like us on Facebook. Tell the tell Walford fans about it. Um, yeah. We wanted to get out there, and like you said, Shaughnessy is a great writer yeah. for the for the
0: Spartanburg Herald. And, and I hope, and I hope if he ever listens to this, we can reach out to him. That'd be great. I mean, just a wealth of knowledge. That would yeah. be just a unbelievable interview. Can you imagine? And we, we want to say
1: we would love to have former Walford oh, players man. on. If you're a diehard Walford fan, you want to come on here with (laughs) us one time. You're more than welcome. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're just wanting to get it out there, like you said. We they've been flying under the radar so long; they're finally getting some of the some of the with like voters. They're getting some of the national attention. But it's still way too late. Yeah, but here's what I'm saying: like they're ranked number five now and Western Carolina lost to us <laughs> and moved up in the rankings. So yeah. that's the that's the impression that the Terriers have made on the boaters and the SES community, yeah. but in the local community. It's not changed. It's not It changed. might have even
0: gotten worse yeah. because Clemson and South Carolina are so freaking popular now right. that they're all so much better than they used to be. So it's just like <laughs> you go to, like, the mall, and they'll have Appalachian State and Coastal Carolina crap in there But they don't have a Walford hat nowhere to be found. Not Walford, nothing. Absurd. Not even USC Upstate, which is baffles me as well. That's my alma mater, folks. And uh, and and the thing about it, also, neither of us went to Walford.
1: No, I got accepted there. Um, (laughs) So you know, but smart guy, smart
0: guy, you're a smart guy. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I did not (laughs) get accepted because if I would have applied, they would have laughed in my face. Yeah, but uh, you know. The financial situation decided going over to upstate that did not change my outlook on the Terriers no I've been a diehard ever since I've been probably even more because we didn't have football at upstate so I needed some <laughs> I needed some foot, local football team to pull for we are South Carolina fans but, but we I'm telling are more you, when it Terrier fans we will be pulling for the Terriers come November the 17th 17th and I yeah. can't
0: wait we're going to be down there as well we're so hopefully I, I'm really Kevin if it's at all possible I'd love to do the, the short haired dog podcast from live on location from Williams Bryce. Let's do it. would be awesome. Let's I would it. love to get some former players in, maybe guys who actually played against South Carolina. Yeah. would be awesome to kind of get, what, what are these guys going to be experiencing when they go into this environment? Yeah. That would be awesome. So guys reach out to us, like our page on Facebook, the short haired dog. Also like us, uh, find us on Twitter. We're at short haired dog. Okay. Right. Yeah. And, uh, so you can find us on there. I'm at KBennett5. I'm at KBennett underscore 5 yep. is, is Kevin on Twitter. Kevin Bennett. You can follow him. Follow me at Mike Bennett QFP. Mike Bennett QFP on Twitter as well. Find us on SoundCloud. Yeah. <laughs> at uh, what is it? It's the, the Short the Haired Dog podcast on right. SoundCloud. Yeah. And then the Short Haired Dog on the iTunes, Apple podcast. Podcast app as well. Right. So if you find us there, shout us out. Also send us an email, but we don't really check our email. So just DM us. Slide in our DMs on Twitter. Easy now.
1: Easy easy now with that. (laughs) But Mike, this was a lot of fun. Like I said, I hope it's, I hope it's one, uh, one of very many. Uh, We'll be back next week to give a rundown of hopefully a Terrier win over Sanford. If not, we'll still come here, analyze what happened, give a preview for East Tennessee State, who yeah. awaits the Terriers after that. And so, we're going uh, to that one yep. in Johnson City. We
0: might have to get on a train while we're up there, maybe. It's hey, a little
1: We're talking about making that trip. So, uh, <laughs> like I said, first of many. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, reach out to us if you'd love to be on the show. And, Mike, take
0: us out. All right. We thank you for listening to the first installment, the first episode of The Short-Haired Dog, a podcast all about Wofford Terrier athletics. Hope to see you at the game on Saturday at Gibbs Stadium at 1:30 against the Sanford Bulldogs which could be for the Socon Crown come out and support the Terriers like us on Facebook on Twitter at the short hair dog and we'll see you next time go terriers go terriers
2: It's a celebration